Hello, Craig. Hello, Craig. And hello, audience. Uh, it's B. Um, and we're here with... Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Andrew from The First Watch. Uh, we're a cinematic actual play and a podcast set in a original homebrew world where the planes of existence are less than stable. Very exciting. <clears throat> I wanted to talk a little bit since uh, by the time you'll be hearing this, episode two of Parallel to Anywhere will be out, and that will be the episode where uh, our character Treff's past crossed with people from the world of the first watch and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about your world uh a little bit about that session um the the out of game weirdness of it all and just a little bit more about what you do you know for sure yeah no it was super it was a super fun recording um the whole concept of of parallel to anywhere is is super fun um i was really glad to be able to be a part of it i was really glad you were able to be a part of it uh I'll, I'll be honest, when I first started this project, I wasn't super sure who would get into it, Sure, you know? Uh, it was so weird and not... Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it in the, like, aggrandizing way, but in the very, like, oh, this will be hard to sell, mm. uh, unlike anything anyone's ever done in the space, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny because when you pitched it to me, um, I, I, I felt like I was looking at a, at a mirror of sorts because um, we have our podcast, The Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, which is almost the inverse of Parallel to Anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a dedicated location in our world where other folks find themselves and visit the inn and tell a story and then go back to their home world. Um, so we're kind of drawing everybody to us, but then Parallel to Anywhere is kind of the inverse of that in that you're following a character hopping to different worlds. So I felt I, I had a lot of the same sort of reservations when I was first pitching in at the edge of Greenwood to people because I was like, I don't know how to explain this. You know, it's <laughs> it, it's all role play, no real dice. It's cozy, but also like, you know, I want to give space for creators to tell their stories. And it's just like it, it took a while to like find the right words for it and so i relate very much to that same sort of like you know when you don't have something that's super obviously like oh yeah it's like this other show um it can be hard to put into words um exactly what you're trying to do oh for sure and uh it's especially different i i i remember when we first talked you one of the early ideations of that one shot was just treff ending up in the end yeah uh, that was a very early pitch for that. And uh, so I, I guess I want to ask you, when did that turn into what, what happened? When did uh, the 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 characters from the one shot get involved and the forest yeah. becoming uh, mangled by the watch's residual magic? Like, I, I didn't give a ton. And I know that uh, for like Treff's lore to a lot of the dms because sure. i wanted i wanted people to tell their own stories you know originally i was really thinking of this as like he would just show up in the middle of a random thing you know right right um and people took that in a lot of different directions but i think one of the things i really like about this episode is that there is a there's a danger and a threat 
but the threat is simultaneously very big in scope and very local in solution. And I was just, how did you come to those ideas? Well, it's funny that you say that because I like that has been kind of like a, uh, um, I guess a bit of a theme, this idea of like trying to, to localize and bring down to a base level some of these larger things. Like, you know, our main show starts very local with just like hunting, you know, down trolls that are, that are causing problems with loggers and eventually expands into hey we got to save the world um but always trying to keep it <laughs> keep it kind of you know grounded and i i think that's just kind of like where my storytelling sensibilities are like i mm -hmm. like it's a big world anytime you try to create a full homebrew world and there's a lot of different like conflicting viewpoints and you know characters with their own motivations and it's like that can be a lot to juggle like let's just try to get down and, and tell a story about you know, one set of people as far as like where it switched from being something with the end to something different. I, I wrestled a lot with, you know, where does the character, uh, you know, of, of Trevor kind of like fit in a lot of things because, um, I wasn't sure how sci-fi I wanted to get with it. Um, you know, our world is more of a medieval fantasy world. Um, and so I kind of went back and forth on, should this be canon? Should this be something that's not canon? Is the inn the best place for it, etc.? And after kind of, you know, thinking through all that, what I landed on was like, well, let's not do the inn because I think that there's some limitations and there's some structure to the end of the edge of greenwood episodes that didn't necessarily fit for you for your what you're trying to do with parallel to anywhere mm -hmm. um i was like let's let's bring it to a different part of the world um and i do like it as a canon episode um i i do consider it canon to our to our larger story because the whole point of our world is that planes of existence are merging and people are hopping from plane to plane and who's to say they're not hopping from time to time as well um so from there, it was a matter of actually figuring out just who was available cast wise. To right, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and when Joe and Cheryl were both available, well, Joe had already played that character of Wolfram in our Knights of Excessive miniseries. And I just kind of started from there and was like, well, it, it, it just kind of made sense that if there was some sort of disturbance near the capital, like the knights would be deployed. So then Cheryl built out Tink um, to be a new knight um, that we hadn't seen before um, in, in our content. And, you know, it was a fun way to bring Wolfram back um, and, and give Joe a little more time to role play that great character. And so that's just kind of how we built it from, from there it was a lot of like, like with most things, there's a lot of like little decisions that finally kind of culminated in what we, what we recorded. It was a lot of fun, and uh, as someone who also loves Planar Chaos in their storytelling, yeah, um, it's a lot of those decisions don't really. And you could correct, you could tell me if this is different, but for you know my money, a lot of the time they don't usually have a like a big sit down and brainstorm moment. They're more sure. just like a yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred little light bulbs that flick on throughout your yep. week, you know. Yep. Um, and I think that's really funny because I think that's a lot of the people when they're doing a lot of writing and a lot of creation, especially for, for one shots and stuff, they feel this need that like, they need to have like a massive sit down time to work it all out, you know? Right. Uh, but I feel like the process is a lot more, like you said, working with what you're given and making the most of these situations and everything. For sure. I mean, like. 
I don't often like I mean, I guess I did it recently because we're about to start a new campaign and I did like take an entire day to just sit down and, you know, write out all the the NPCs and the towns mm-hmm. and stuff. But like outside of that, which is just like the heavy work that you have to do as a DM, like there is not ever really a like a dedicated ideation time on anything like oh, it no. is just like kind of, you know, making sure I have something nearby to jot notes with as I think of things throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the months. And, you know, it's a luxury when you have time to to sit and germinate on that stuff. I mean, you know, I can come up with the, the lore and the plot needed for a one shot in a pinch. But if you give me, you know, two months to think about it, <laughs> you're obviously going to get something very different and hopefully more fleshed out. Exactly. Um, but time is a luxury for sure sometimes with. with this oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the cool things about the way that uh, we approached this whole thing was that we while we did set up days for setting up the one shots and everything uh we we only started putting work on the series final after all the one shots were done mm-hmm. and i think that let us like give a good amount of time i don't know yeah. I, I think that was a really fun element to it is yeah it's super smart i do a similar thing with the edge of greenwood where each episode has a bookended uh, narration by the innkeeper um, mm-hmm. where he's talking and he's writing in his journal. Yes. And I will maybe jot notes down after recording an episode with a guest about things that he needs to mention in there. But I kind of like waiting to record at least a good chunk of the guests for a season before writing all those, because that's also where I can start to like build in story themes and like, Oh, this person reminded me of this other person and, and stuff like that. And you know, when when you again, when you have the luxury of time and uh, the ability to kind of see things in its in their com- completeness, um, you know, you you can you can more. What's the word I'm looking for? You can more uh, intentionally create a flowing narrative. For sure. Um. Yeah. So I guess another thing I wanted to ask is like on the on a wider scale, moving a little bit away from just this one specific adventure. Uh. A lot of high fantasy stories um, tend to stray from the weirder elements, you know? Um, the stuff like the, the planescapes and the spell jammers don't necessarily jive yeah. in, a, in a high fantasy setting, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and though personally, the your planescapes or spell jammers have been some of my favorite stuff, you know? like For sure. Um there's what about those things makes it appealing even in say a world like that's more high fantasy in a world that's maybe not if you were put it uh a world that's not ready to meet these challenges yet what about like even in a world that like that what about those concepts to you makes them like oh i still gotta go for it anyway (laughs) sure yeah well and i mean think First of all, the reason that I think that they don't jive as well, or at least people don't latch on to them as much, is because, <laughs> you know, you already have to ask yourself the question, what in the world would the world be like with magic, right? Like, like right. If magic's a thing and people can do spells and you can, you know, die and get resurrected <laughs> and all these different things. Like, you know, how does that affect politics and commerce and you know 
the arts and all those different things? And that's a really big question. So mm -hmm. then when you layer on top of already this magical world where I think a lot of DMs are trying to come up with creative ways to, um, you know, make their world feel like it's integrated with the abilities of magic. Then you add playing, you know, hopping on top of that and all that stuff. It's I mean, it's a lot. It's it's a lot to, to juggle. And I think it gets maybe less used because of the fact that it, there is a very real question of like. If, if if we could just move to a different plane of existence, like what would like no one knows exactly what that would look like as far as like the, the trickle down effects of that on the rest right. of society. That mm -hmm. being said, one reason I really like it and one reason I like doing it in our stuff is and, and the way I handle it personally is to maintain a sense of mystery about it. Like it is uncontrollable in my world. There's nothing currently technology wise or whatnot that allows people to fully harness the power of the planes and right. jumping from one to the other. It's something that happens via thunderstorms and earthquakes and blizzards. And it's more of like, it's almost more of a more of a weather effect than anything. A lot of it's times. a force of nature to degree. Exactly, exactly. So when I thought about bringing in your character and and kind of merging with parallel to anywhere i was like this can work as long as and that was and again another reason for the way the story played out i was like this can work um and be canon without being like you know game changing if it's in kind of an isolated situation, right? If, if it's in a deep in a forest and a couple characters meet Treffer and, you know, there's there's definitely some impact, but it's not, you know, it's not like you bamfed into the middle of the kingdom, um, right. in the middle mm -hmm. of the king's court and like, completely shook things up. Although, right. who the, knows, the, the, they, you know, might just go, oh, weird wizard. Well, well, we'll keep moving on with our lives. Right, exactly. And I think that's what makes Treffa very good bounce in bounce out protagonist i yeah. think is because he is so young and because he knows so little about the way his own magic works that uh for these characters who are coming in to check on this disturbance in the forest it is very easy to write him off right. as a fool it is very well and other than the clothing um right you know being very very different i mean you know they've seen magical devices before like tinks and artificer you know all this stuff there's a lot that can be explained away and it is kind of that whole like you know magic is just science we don't understand yet type of thing it, exactly and i think it it works very well because you're like you said it, even if he did show up in the middle of the king's court right. but there's no way on earth he would have been able to explain what exactly. <clears throat> what he had done and that kind of thing is I think it makes it easier for the these pop-ins to not fundamentally tatter a world setting. For sure. Have you read a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court? I believe I've I've heard of it, but I, I yeah. Heard. So I mean, it's Mark Twain. It's probably maybe my favorite book. Um, but I mean, it's about a guy from the industrial age who gets transported somehow to King Arthur's age. And he, you know, he in particular is kind of like an engineer. So he knows how to make things. And he sets himself up as basically a rival wizard to Merlin um, and uses science <laughs> right. to create real magic. And he does completely change the world there. And it's um, it's a very interesting um, look at, you know, uh, you know, kind of taking that idea of what would happen if, you know, time and space kind of shifted and how would that impact. And 
in a lot of ways, it's 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 funny that you're talking about Treffer kind of like not really knowing things because, you know, it's the opposite of that. It's, you know, this guy can explain the world very, very well um, and right. knows how things work and everything. And Treffer, on the other hand, is like, yeah, I just press buttons until it happens, which is such Pretty an cool. endearing part of the character. Um, yeah. And part of why I think it works so well. I agree. And um Moving into a little bit, because I know we can't speak too much for the the characters' uh, thoughts processes, because we don't have the their players here. But um, one of the things I do think is really fun and interesting was that the watch malfunctions very, yeah. uh, and that's a critical plot point. And I think so early into the season, seeing the watch as fallible is, yeah. I, I think that's very important, and I think it like sets higher stakes maybe because especially as like the first guest one shot that happens in the season there's this a new comprehension of uh, for lack of a better word just how fucked he is you know (laughs) right Um, right it it puts more of a of of an emphasis on getting him home because this thing could fall apart this right it's still just a tool that you know could break uh and Thankfully, in this case, the, the characters were able to find the missing pieces and put it back together. Um, so when when Tink was created to be an artificer, did you have a hand in that or was it more, oh, I can use this? Yeah, no, it was much more of a I can use this. Um, yeah, Cheryl had full, you know, kind of autonomy in, in what character she wanted to create. Um, all I gave her a note wise was it needs to be another knight of excessa. So somebody who, um, you know, would be in that position. And it was really interesting because like, I, I was expecting a fighter or a paladin or a rogue or something. And, you know, she came with this artificer that, um, is less of a warrior and more of a, more of a scholar. And, um, you know, it, it was interesting to kind of build out like, okay, why would this person be a knight? Um, right. of this caliber because that's the thing it's like the knights of excessive number about 21 um total i mean they're like the seal team six of <laughs> of my world. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. so it's not just some sort of like oh yeah tink is a knight like no there's a you know tink could seriously f you up you know if, if no, you there's wanted a, to. <laughs> right there's a there's a there's a respect on yes his name and you would need to address uh how that got to be but it was also so much fun for me just selfishly getting to build out my own world a little bit more have tink and wolfram because wolfram's very much the scholarly knight he's the 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 reader of lore and the paladin who who loves going to libraries and then you've got tink so it was really the two nerds who got sent on this mission and it was fun to build out that side of things because you know in our in our mini series knights of excessa they're very much like typical badasses you know i mean like they're they're jumping on rooftops and you know killing people in one stroke and things like that and it was fun (laughs) to take those same kind of that same um that team of people and and see a different side that was more investigating um and problem solving rather than just okay i'm gonna go kill the first thing i see sort of characters right because even in those like high brow quality like the seal team six you still gotta have your your intel people you still gotta have your your spec ops and i think seeing i gotta agree that's just a really cool thing seeing that that side of the section of your world that has to exist theoretically Right. right like on paper yeah sure it 
it happens behind the scenes, but it's like it it's spending an episode with the B team kind of thing. It's it's spending an episode back at home base when the heroes are out kind of thing, and that the draw of that maybe kind of sure. Thing. And and that's the and I think that's the other fun thing not to talk about my own show too much, but like our main show follows the B team or even the C team. I mean the knights are the A team. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But we don't really, other than the miniseries, this is the only other look into like they don't they have not yet crossed over with our other main show and everything. So, I yeah, it's just it was a cool opportunity to try a different genre, try a different type of game. I mean, it was obviously a very short one shot. You know, if we had another hour, there's there's definitely more that I would have done with like. Like I had kind of like a, a subplot with like the little part for the watch gets stolen by an animal and you all have to track it down. And we just didn't have time for all of that. No. Um, yeah. But um, but no, it was uh, it was a cool opportunity to flesh out a couple characters to also get to meet Trevor and be a part of that um, that story. But but like I said, I went into it saying this is going to be canon um, because I didn't want to I didn't want to pull punches and like oh well okay we'll do this but it doesn't really count i was like no let's let's make this let's make this real yeah it was really fun um i think it's very interesting that you bring up the you know that you know shifting perspective because in you know in the main series and in this episode's opening you even though the, the one shot is on his own uh in the show proper that's the first time that we see him alone because in mm. episode and in the opening of two, he is, you know, he's got Rosara by his side. He has yeah. the, the intelligence, you know, that that role that I think you would say, like, maybe Wolfram and Tink would fit into the Knights is sort of the role Rosara plays for Treff. For sure. And it's very fun pulling them away from their respective yeah. things, but they accidentally end up being the exact, like... Treff is missing their intel person and they're missing their action-based people and uh, that right. accidentally happens to click like that's for sure that worked out really well yeah um i guess on a more general question when you think of like kind of going into the wider space of like ttrpgs in general yeah uh with shows like uh like the in like parallel to anywhere uh, and even with, like, the expanding world you have with the knights going to other stuff. I think, like, especially now, there's this... This new thing put on us to do something different, right? Mm. Yeah. Because, like, the the high adventures, the, the played straight campaigns, I feel like have been done fantastically by so many people that there is, like, this, this space mm. that needs to be filled, you know? And I... I guess I want to ask you as someone who also deals with like the, the planar chaos and the, the weirdness of it all, like what ex does it, that excite you? Does that, you know, like what about it, that, that new read? Cause I feel like a lot of yeah. new TTRPG shows recently have like interesting niches and interesting what ifs that put spins on the traditional campaign, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree, and I definitely think that there's. It's great that everybody's kind of finding maybe their niche, and we're certainly trying to do things that are new for us, or you know that we haven't necessarily seen in the space. That being said, and this has kind of been my mantra since we started our show, um, we're not going to tell any stories that are brand new. 
right? Right. Like, the, you know, the, the, that biblical saying of there's nothing new under the sun um, yes. is very true. And mm-hmm. I often find myself, you know, watching the newest episode of Critical Role and all of a sudden Matt Mercer introduces a plot point that's part of something that I recorded, you know, two months ago that I'm still editing. And I'm like, well, damn it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I and, thought of that first, you know, right. sort of thing. Um, and well, you no got to be okay with that. Yeah. And yeah. no one thought of it first. It's, it's right. Well, exactly. No one thought of it first. Somebody's always done it. Someone did it before me and him and whatnot. To me, quality is the biggest thing. Like, tell a good story. Tell a story that that you believe in. Um, and no matter how, quote unquote, cliche it is with your tropes, like, that's where you have to start. And then mm-hmm. you can build maybe some weirdness on top of that. But, like, you know, a story that is completely based off of a gimmick is yeah. a fun idea to think about, um, but it doesn't last very long right it needs like, a soul it needs the it needs it a soul does. yeah yeah and that's been like m- my thing throughout and where i think um you know from the the times that i've worked with you we definitely align is that like at the heart of whatever story we're telling like this could fit in a lot of different places it could fit in a lot of different worlds you know the you know the 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 mean plots and everything like that could could be reskinned a lot of different ways to be however you know you want it to be, but the exactly. but the beating heart of it is still um, strong. And if you know, you gotta the have human good element. Bones. Yeah, yeah, that human element. The uh, I'm trying to remember who said a, a really good video I watched about like just something like words are bad and where this came from, but I really <laughs> love the line that they threw out there at the very end that was like you know even though all of these things are strange and maybe even a little out there at the core they're intimately familiar right like it doesn't there's a i think you could do anything really and i think yeah i think that's the beauty of the space is that there's such a openness in uh taking because really at the end of the day uh, a campaign in any TTRPG, there is a core human element that's just going to naturally be found, which is mm. these disparate people coming together, right? Sure. And you can tell whatever other themings you want on top of that, but yeah. I think the beauty of these kinds of stories is that at the very core, there is always that. That is your that is your base for everything. You know, that is your point yeah. zero, and you can go anywhere with that. And I think... I think I agree with major thing about storytelling styles of London is that like come what may in terms of the setting or the tone uh-huh. or the genre, if you have a very emotive and oh, home feeling connection to something, yeah. then it, it people will come for the weirdness, but they will stay for the heart. Right. No matter how you know, trippy we get, we're still telling stories about courage and about choice and about, mm-hmm. um, you know, sacrificing for the ones you love and about helping someone in need, you know, even, even, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the episode for this show, you know, the Tink and Wolfram exemplify, you know, and this is totally the characters decisions, uh, the players decisions, but I think they exemplify, you know, 
doing their duty and, and, you know, sussing out what needs to be sussed out, but also like helping this person in need, you know, in Treffer, you know, and it's like that, that is a theme that is, you know, universal and could have been told a million different ways. It just happened to, to be the heart of, of this story. Um, Yes. Especially because Treff is a child, right? Like that. I think the lost child looking for their place in the world is a very, uh, it's it's one of those ones that hits a lot of people, and I think it does. Yeah, because I, because we don't outgrow it, right? <laughs> no, no, we never do. <laughs> we think and we that's... do, but like every once in a while, you you're in your thirties to that, like, oh my gosh, I, I'm still a kid trying to find you know my place, and exactly, you know, some yeah, of those things stay relevant for forever. Exactly, and I think like the beauty of the characters that Tink and Wolfram played out was that they were these older, wiser people who. Mm. Like, they didn't have all the answers, but they were willing to try anyway. And that, again, that theme of a lost person and two people who don't know how to help completely, but are willing to try, like you said, could be done a bajillion other ways, could be done in so many different settings and genres. It's just this one happened to involve a planar hopping watch and a crumbling forest. (laughs) Exactly. Question for uh, you, because mm-hmm. at the time of recording this chat, um, this episode has not come out yet. And I know that we released it on our own channel as kind of like our own condensed one shot. What did you end up calling it? Okay, so so there's a fun thing in Parallel to Anywhere's uh, naming scheme for the episodes, because uh, the show is diegetic to Trevor. He is recording this, you know? Yep. So... I was when we were naming the episodes, a thing that mattered to me was that they sounded like episodes Treff would name. Yeah. Uh, not just that we would name. And so it turned into us naming them after song titles. Interesting. Specifically, like kind of in the we kind of sat and thought about what kind of music the characters would like if we made mm-hmm. character playlists and then we picked songs that were in that vein. Um so that episode specifically is a title from a from the Oh Hellos, the people who got very big for Soldier Poet King. Um, yep. And it's one of their quieter instrumental pieces, and it's called Dry Branches. Interesting. Which, which is this very moody title. Yeah. And I think it, it hits in the sense of it's a song title. It is from this very like folksy band. Yeah. And coming r- the, the fun part about the song title style is that they the genres that these songs come from come through in the titles and hit like a truck in terms of the whiplash because episode one is next up forever by ajr and episode Mm -hmm. three is a line from starlight brigade and in the middle of it is this moody kind of folksy sound and i think like tying the worlds he visited to musical sound was something that i didn't consider at first but after it started being a concept for the way we would title the episodes it was something that well, and again, I, the, the value of being able to have the time to, you know, kind of let it marinate and step back and go, what makes the most sense for this holistically? Right. Because, because like, the choice to make them the way Treff would name them was something that took a while. And yeah. even beyond that, deciding how Treff would come up with a naming title scheme, mm. just be like music on his playlist was like, yeah, that's right. That's that's this character. Right. It, and it's so fun to compare that to what we did because um when we released this recording um as a as a video one shot, 
um, we called it a wayward wizard in the forest of fog. Right. Which I very much. So the two things there, one, um, I actually very much was riffing off of uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court with kind of the lengthy bouncy sounding title. Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But then secondly, I, it, it's interesting to talk about perspectives because I did wrestle a little bit with like, you know, do we, do we allude to the sci-fi element of this or whatnot? And and I did kind of think, well, how would Tink and, and Wolfram perceive this? Well, he's just a wizard. He's a weird ass wizard from some other <laughs> plane, right. you know, that's got some weird pants that sweat, you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. <laughs> and that's how they would have perceived it. They found a wayward wizard in the forest of fog. And exactly. And it's he... so interesting to see similar thought processes, um, but, but very, very different directions yeah exactly yeah. it's so cool and i think that's one of the beauty parts of this whole project is that we're gonna get to see that with all the other creators and that's why i was like i was hit by this actually by jazz who uh, is for heartbeats who had the idea of doing these kinds of mini interviews yeah. and uh, i thought it was like after they said it i was like this is what this project was missing this is the yeah. missing piece. this is this is it because <laughs> like you get to hear the as Treff is going through these worlds, you get to hear our perspectives from the, the creators who, you know, ha had to sit down and think these kinds of things out. Um, and I think it leads to showing the real, the human element, both in the characters and in the people who made them. For sure. Um, and I have one more question before yeah. we call it for now. Uh, what is, what is next for y'all? I know you guys started a new campaign and I... I would feel remiss if I didn't let y'all yeah go off a little bit about it and, <laughs> but before we said goodbye. Yeah, no, I mean, our so currently as of recording this, um, we're midway through our third season of our main show, um, which is kind of internally called the Realm Shield Saga. And that's the 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 show that follows our three monster hunters, Hyde, Siki and Gamorg as they, you know, get caught up in this world ending type of thing. Um, not a another mini series coming out at the beginning of March, um, which, um, all new players, some, some repeats, but, but a lot of new players, um, you know, set a little bit more in the future, brand new story, new jumping in point for new audiences. Um, That's very you know, important. we'll, yeah. we'll of course build upon our world, but also, you know, be, be kind of a fresh story point. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's what we're deep into working on right now. Um, and then also a second season of the end at the edge of Greenwood, because, we finished season one and I very much was like, OK, it could end here like it really could. Like, I'm happy with what we did. Um, you know, it, it 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 captured the vibes and the and the things I wanted it from it. And I let it sit for a couple months and then I went, I want to do more, um, which that's is a really cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a really cool feeling to like, yeah, no, that's something that I want to give my passion to. And so mm -hmm. um, we're midstream in recording season two and new episodes are coming out soon. That's super exciting. Um, <clears throat> In at the Edge of Green One seems like a very good uh, jumping on point for people who may have gotten into the, the feel and the sci-fi weirdness of PTA to enter into your world space a bit. So I think that that would be a really great, you know, the new season is probably a real great jumping on point. Those those new spaces are really good. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely. So each episode stands alone to a degree of In at the Edge of Greenwood because it's a different guest each time. Mm -hmm. um, there's small narrative elements that tie throughout, so you'll certainly get more out of it if you if you kind of join us for the entire season. But that being said, you know, if you look through the list of episodes and see a creator or a 
um, you know, a, a DM that has guested that you really like, like start there. It's uh, each story's kind of self-contained and um, and it's funny because the the format episode to episode is very similar. And I often worry about, oh, my gosh, it's just going to start to feel repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I sit down, like I recorded an episode today before jumping on this call with you and it, it was wholly unique. There were there were things that had never happened before and, you know, what I and it's, you know, it's just a testament to being able to get to talk to so many amazing creatives um, from yep. across the TTRPG space. For sure. Uh, I think that about does it for our time together, unfortunately. But uh, do you want to one last time shout out some places where people can uh, find you and your work? Sure thing. So you can find us on YouTube. Um, the first watch show um, is our is our YouTube uh, URL extension. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at first watch show. And yeah, after listening to episode two of uh, Parallel to Anywhere, if you want to check out the video version, we have it up on our channel as uh, named as a wayward wizard in the forest of fog. The, I, the, the video is very fun. I I watched it a good deal of times when it came out just because it was like, <laughs> ah, like this is exactly what I, it, it was very fun. And I'm really excited for for more in at the edge of greenwood and more of your of the new campaign that must be super exciting um but i think for now that's a perfect place to uh, wrap this up um until then uh, thank you very much for coming on thank you so good to do this yeah all right uh we'll talk to you later everyone i think uh the next thing we will be putting up will be episode three so that'll be really exciting i will talk to you all soon